finds Draymond Green, reads to the basket, kicks it out of Godala. Thompson for three, bang! Clay Thompson from downtown, it's a six-point lead. Timeout, Rockets. A stunned Toyota Center crowd has watched a seven-point fourth-quarter lead. Yo, 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 guys, what is up? And welcome back to another episode of the Game 6 Clay Podcast. It's your boy Gotham, my boys Chuck and Matt. Brothers, how we doing? Welcome back. Road trip complete. Oof. It was, um, yeah, no, awful poetic that I get to uh, get to fly in last night, make my homecoming as soon as the Warriors make theirs. Uh, there you go. Holiday season come back after some time, some, some rough, rough time on the road again. Brutal times, man. You know, I wanna. I didn't. I didn't have a very good uh, journey getting back here, but I think the Warriors definitely had a worse trip than I did. Rough, rough plane ride back, Matt. How we doing, man? I know this road trip couldn't have been good for you, dude. No, uh, you know, I was gonna say no complaints, but I actually have like at least four complaints. Uh, a lot, at least four. Yeah, there's some complaints. Uh, no, I mean it's been tough, man. Steph going down, and then. Losing by a combined three thousand over the course of three games is not uh not ideal, dude. So here we are to break it down, and I'm I'm uh I'm having a rough one. Okay. Here we here we are to break it down, indeed. And you guys kind of summed that up, man. Steph went down, and then everything kind of just went south from that road trip. But um, the last time we spoke, the Warriors were was a one and one on that trip. Um, obviously Steph went down going into a rough stretch of Philly, Toronto, and then the two New York teams, the Knicks and the Nets, um, to close it out. Um, and they went one and one and five on the road trip collectively, picking up a win in Toronto. But um, just a lot of again, just not enough healthy bodies. You got the young guys playing a lot of minutes down the stretch in there in the last two games. And um, you know, I felt like for me personally watching the game, I think that the uh, the Indy loss, the Philly loss, were and the Toronto game were really good, like bright spots for the team. Um, I think that in spite of the losses, they didn't finish the job in Philly or. Um, no, what was the other one? Indiana. And Indiana, correct. Uh, but, you know, they showed like they could they could compete and they got the job done in Toronto. So going into that Knicks game was a little tough to, you know, see that performance. And obviously the, the Brooklyn one was a wash from the start. But uh, just want to get you guys' takes just on this on this last road trip, uh, the losses, the win. Um, the Warriors are going into an eight-game homestand now, sitting three games under five hundred, cozy in, the, in that 11th spot. Um, just what are your thoughts on just that trip and where we're at right now? Yeah, so the thing that I think sort of bothered me, especially coming off the last two games, is uh, you know we've we've beaten the horse to death about the young guys being put in a position to fail. Really, um, we all know how that goes. But you know, so many people have been saying, "Oh, well, the kids don't want to compete. They don't want to do this. They they don't have any fight. Whatever." Uh, that game in Philly, it happened. Like we saw. Jordan Poole playing really well. We saw Dante DiVincenzo stepping it up, playing really well also. We saw Kevon Looney like overstepping his role and nearly dropping a goddamn triple-double on them. Like they got contributions, you know, they were able to get uh like Ty Jerome was able to give them some stuff. Jonathan Kaminga gave them some stuff. They played cohesive team defense, had one of their best defensive performances as a team in quite some time, like excluding that Boston game it was really like their best defensive performance of the month um in my opinion and they did it without Andrew Wiggins so you know they've done 
they've done some really encouraging stuff. And, you know, obviously getting your teeth kicked in by like 70 points combined against both the New York teams sucks, but people need to also remember like who these teams are and where they are in the season. Like both New York and Brooklyn are scorching hot right now. Like these are two teams that have been playing very good basketball. I think Brooklyn was like 18 and seven since Jacques Mon took over and the Knicks have put together a pretty solid winning streak. Uh, I want to check just to be sure, but yeah, coming into that game against Eight Golden State, they, won, they had seven in a row coming into that game, and they're playing against a team that doesn't have their two best players. Like, yeah, what'd you what, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> um, so yeah, it sucks to be, you know, three games below five hundred at the end of the road trip. One and five sucks, but like you lost your MVP candidate. You know, it. There aren't many teams that. No team that leans on Steph Curry the way that the Warriors have for the last decade succeeds after their best player goes down. Like that's just not how it works. So I completely understand the frustration, but the difference between like getting beat by like 40 and you know maybe scratching a couple games around once in a while is really not that big when you've lost your star player. So I I think people are reading a little too much into these last couple results. Yeah, it's just tough. Like these last, the Philly game was like the best case scenario for how a game can go without Steph in a lot of ways, right? And that's when you're down. Wiggins does it. Is you're down um, Steph, obviously. And then, listen, when you are playing the Knicks and the Nets, like you said, Chuck, who are as hot as they are, you're down four of your best seven guys, basically four of your best eight guys, and that's what they were. I mean, Michael Green is unfortunately one of their best eight or nine guys, right? He's out. DiVincenzo, I probably had his I'm best better. stretch of four or five games, right? He's out. Wiggins, like you said, probably the Warriors' second best player. He's out. Steph, out. Um, if you got them, not a shot at you at all, man. But if you went into those games really thinking in your heart of hearts the Warriors were supposed to win, you know, you're going to be disappointed, right? And Gotham, you don't seem disappointed in me, man, so I don't feel too bad. Not about at it. all. But, uh, you know, it's just not, they're not going to win those games and, you know, half the rotations out of the, out of the, out of the game, right? Not playing. So just to, um, and just to add a little more to that, Brooklyn has won 10 of their last 11 and the only loss is to Boston. So again, <laughs> what the hell are you going to do? Yeah. And like Brooklyn's looking great. Brooklyn's looking yeah. great. New York's looking great. You lost some good teams. Uh, the problem with this in my mind though is, and again, it's not, it's not a problem with being surprised by a loss. I'm not surprised by the losses. I was, I was rooting for the Nets to score 200 yesterday. It was my goal. I was just hoping to see it happen. I'd never seen it before. No one has. Come on, give me 200 points. Um, but listen, most of the teams in the league are closer to being the Knicks right now than they are the Pistons or the Hornets. And so my thought is just even when, you know, even Tenzo gets back, Wiggins gets back, eventually Steph gets back, there just aren't a lot of easy wins to go around right now. And uh, that's going to be a big, a big plot line going forward in the season. Obviously, right now it's just the roster is what it is. The injuries are what they are. The sickness is what it is. But um, those that Nick game, Nick came to me especially was just like, oh shit! This is how every game almost is going to be a bloodbath because the league is twenty teams deep right now. Uh, so it just kind of it gives me a heads up what kind of the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, I t- I totally agree with that, and I think that. This road trip, and like, just obviously went one and five. But uh, like you said, Chuck, uh, earlier, like, you're not going to win without your best player, especially with how much the Warriors depend on Steph. And what you're looking for in these wins and losses are 
can you find a replicable replicable formula to you know give yourself a chance? Like you said, Matt, like you're going to get play against teams like the Knicks, um, the Hornets, the Pistons. I mean, they they beat the Warriors uh, earlier in the season, so it's like it's not like any of these next you know whatever eight game home stretch. It's not but it's not a shoe in that you're going to win just because you're at home. But you know you're getting Wiggins back. Um, you know, hopefully Dante and Jamichael Green are back as well. So you get you know a team with Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, Draymond, Loon, um, Wiggins. Uh, JP, uh, DiVincenzo and Jamaica Green. Like, you have at least some vets that, you know, you've seen a little bit. Um, that Philly game, uh, like you said, Chuck, I think they competed, uh, they competed great on the defensive end. I think that Toronto game was great as well, just to see that against, against a struggling Toronto team as well, um, in their own right. But, um, a good young team that was playing at home, um, looking to, you know, right the ship and the Warriors were able to take that and, uh, come out of there with Doug, uh, for the only win in the, in the road trip. But, it looked like, you know, a home stretch, a home stand obviously needed. You know, I think they get their teeth kicked in by Memphis, but after that, like you have some winnable games in that stretch. Um, and I know we're going to get into it, um, you know, later in this episode, but, um, it just seemed like, you know, you, they missed some chances to maybe capitalize on some wins in, in Philly and, um, in Indy. But even so, like, like you guys said, the, the Knicks game, I think was the most disappointing just because you're coming off the Raptors win. Um, but you didn't have DiVincenzo, you didn't have Jermichael Green. Again, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, onus on the youth, uh, that, you know, they're still going through the struggling pains, man. Like the, it's, it's something that we knew coming into the season. I don't think we'd think it was this bad, uh, you know, in terms of how far along maybe Wiseman was in his development, uh, Moody being in the rotation, but, you know, Kuminga fig- just figuring stuff out as, as, as an NBA player, um, and, and has been doing pretty well. Um, and, you know, when there's a lot more vets around him. So, you know, you, you, you concede those games as losses. So I think, yeah, people are reading a lot into it, but I think a lot of it is because, you know, you're seeing what, what could be with this youth movement now and, what the the deadline's coming up like you it's it's going to be it's judgment day soon like you're going to have to make a pivot about what you want to do with this team um and these young guys cuz if you really do want to win a championship um and go all in you know you might have to start reconsidering where you're at with some of these these projects that you've invested um you know a couple seasons in now so um Man, i think I, that that's the biggest um issue for the warriors going in because realistically they're only three games under 500 uh, at the 11th seed where they're three games behind the fourth seed i think so like let's, let's remember the big picture it's an 82 game season we're getting staff back at some point you know in january so you really just got to survive this eight game home so you got 20 days 22 days at home and some winnable games to get you, you know, back at that 500 level when Steph gets around. So, yeah, did it suck to go one and five? Absolutely. Is there time to panic? No. And is it because, like, you know, is there anything going that you they played well? Like, you, you saw spurts. You're at home now. So, can you put it together? I, I think that they got a few wins in them. So, um, sucks to be three games under 500. But I think it, it's because of the larger issue. I think it's because you're starting to see the the the, the Kuminga kind of, you know, growing a new piece. Wiseman, you know, it is what it is. PBJ, Moody, um, and Bronze, you know, still you haven't seen too much, but you're seeing guys kind of what they can do. Um, but you know, now you got to really reassess that two timeline plan and maybe it's, it falls on the front office, man. This is for me is it's, it's on them to, to really, to really figure this out. So did you guys yeah. see anything that you loved? So Chuck, you had a really good thread. I want to shout out real quick. It was on Kaminga. I don't know. I only thought of two posts on it. Um, but it's been a rough week, obviously, but do you guys see anything you like a lot? I mean, coming up for me is just something that I'm overall just enjoying. Um, Jeff, you had that again, back to your thread. I think you said he was, he got to the rim eight or nine times against Brooklyn. Uh, couldn't finish, right? Couldn't finish anything, but 
the fact that he's getting there is kind of the big thing, right? He's going to the rack, and that's something that just the ability to get there on his own. We know he can draw fouls. We know he can finish, especially with his left hand, which at this point in his career is just huge. Um, that's one bright takeaway for me. So I think that's a weapon. That's a skill they need right now. Just anybody can get to the basket. And I think that will kind of open up a lot more once Steph is back, once Dante is back. Um, before we go on to just, um, finger pointing, which I'm all for right now, I'm good for, I'm good for a good blame game when we have the chance. Anything that you saw in the last two weeks, week, uh, that leaves you with, uh, some optimism? I think. Kuminga has definitely been a major factor to that. I think, you you know, like you said, he's made a lot of strides. And even if you don't see the results there, I think the thing that I circle back to with Kuminga so often is how quickly he learns. I mean, the guy was just, he was just not an offensive player last year. You know, like he was dropping everything. He was kicking all his drives off his knees, like couldn't decide when to hit a shot or when to drive. Um now he's making those decisions, he's keeping his dribble together, and he's actually getting to the rim. So to me, like with him, you know, you can look at that in a vacuum and say, well, ah, you know, plenty of guys can get to the rim and, you know, make an average amount of shots, which is what Kaminga's doing right now. But how many of those guys could literally do none of those things last year? Like that's the point I'm trying to make is how quickly he's developed this skill and you know, Jordan Poole may not be a very popular guy right now, but he made one of the most ridiculous year-over-year developmental leaps I've ever seen. He went from being maybe the worst player in the league his rookie season to, like, a legitimate second, third scoring option on a championship team two years later. So when you look back at where Kaminga was a year ago and you try to look ahead to where he could be a year from now, that's the kind of thing that really gets me excited about him offensively because we know he can bring the defense. He's been a little better as like a help side guy. So I'm definitely feeling really encouraged about that. Um, another guy to shout out to man, PBJ. Like he was, he was letting that thing, he was letting it sing last night. You know, he's, He's looking like an ice cold shooter, looking more like his high school days where he was just, you could just get everything. Like he gets every shot. <laughs> it's impossible to contest him. Uh, he, six nine, like, you know, like six ten, six nine ish. Um, it's crazy. I mean, either way, you know, the dude's got such a wingspan. Like you can't contest his shots. Like every shot is more or less uncontested unless it's Kevin Durant, you know, trying to match him up. Like, Jaron Jackson, Very Michael Porter Jr. esque kind of guy, like, yeah, that's tough because you know MPJ is such a like ridiculous outlier of a like movement shooter. Um, mm-hmm. Like he's probably the best on the move shooter, not named Steph Curry in the league right now. Um, and granted, you know that's quite the gap between one and two, but uh, <laughs> I. I like PB like PBJ is showing some things where he he everything falls down from the shot, obviously. And if he's taking this really high rate of attempts and he's hitting close to 40% of them, he's at 42 right now, obviously a pretty small sample, but he's looked good in the G League too, shooting it. So it all falls down from there. But he's shown some decent stuff attacking closeouts. He's shown he can keep the ball moving, but also leverage his shooting into like getting downhill, getting some chances, making plays for others. So he just is starting to look like a really capable role guy, uh, hopefully next year. And 
he's got some things to work on defensively, but he definitely offers like some, you know, I, I like to call it like event defensive playmaking where you don't like, you don't do a lot of things consistently play to play that are really good, but you have that knack for like getting your hand in the passing lane or like making a really good rotation and like creating those huge defensive plays that help to outweigh like the little mistakes you make on the other possessions. So that's, that's, I think that's been my takeaway too, you know, is if he, if he ends up being a guy that they have to ship out at the deadline because they're looking for upgrades sucks. But if he doesn't and you know, he, he's able to stick around. Like I'm, I'm really excited for what he's able to bring to the table going forward. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I've always felt like PBJ just as the way, just the shooter, the just shooting ability he has. Like, I feel like he could fit in like right now, just, you know, five minutes quick offense. Um, you know, if he gets high, he gets hot. But, uh, one guy I do want to shout out is Dante, uh, DiVincenzo. I feel like those three games that he, that he was there on, on this trip, uh, you know, since, uh, Philly or whatever, um, the guys just looked like exactly what you need. Just another backup guard that can, uh, play make and step up in the starting lineup. I think with lineup of Jordan Poole, uh, Draymond and DiVincenzo, it just felt like the ball was moving a lot more. Dante just knows how to play. Um, the guy just makes the right passes, shoots, he knows when to shoot, knows when to drive, create, um, so I feel like he, him being out too, is just uh, you lost another just stabilized, uh, you know, ball handler, playmaker, and so you, you see Ty Jerome playing a lot more um, in these last two games. So um, I think uh, you know getting Dante back is going to do wonders for this team, especially Jordan Poole. I feel like those two play really well off of each other uh, in that second unit. So um, you know, give 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 Dante his props because he's really he's really stepped up when when the team needed him, even if they didn't win. So, yeah, just uh, just throwing some numbers behind what you're saying real quick. Those. Four games on the road trip before he went out. Uh, 13 points, six and a half boards, four assists, steal and a half, hitting 48% from deep. That people, right people say people talk about missing more. GP2. Like that's the kind of production that you want from you know a GP2 guy kind of guy that you want to replace. And Dante was a cheaper option. So um the guy's yeah, and all, exactly all, do, all due respect to GP2, but like, yeah. they had to spend so long finding ways to work him into the offense. GP two is not capable of stretches where yeah, he's taking he seven play plays a game like and making yeah. almost half of them. Like yeah. he can't do that, and that's fine. But yeah, did he brought this stuff to the table? But Dante also brings another just level to his offense that you know is is needed right now, and especially with Wiggins out, I felt like he was he was great in that second unit playing next to Jordan and Draymond. So I'm um, excited to see him come back. Um, hopefully, he's back for that Christmas game and. Um, Michael Green too, man. I mean, you know, he hasn't been playing well for like the larger part of the year, but he had some good stretches and, you know, again, just kind of giving you that you could play him as a backup five on any given night. And, you know, he might, he might help out. He might not, but you know, he had a couple of good games in there as well. He might grab a contested rebound here and there. Like he has in the last couple, I days. A couple of threes. He stroked three or two uh, the last week. I, I'm going to step out here and see what happens, but uh, I've been enjoying Steve Nash Jr. tied to Rome last uh, last week. As far as you know, what you're getting from a from a two way player, I can see what this is the he's the best version of the Steve Kerr point guard we've had in the last five years. I think I uh, put out a little. It's very little fundamentally strong sound. I have him above Cockamaker. I have him above Quinn Cook. I've got him above uh, Chioza. I've got him above. Uh, I'll give Cheese some respect, man. Cheese is pretty nice. No, I'm, yeah, I'm we, taking tied Rome every time, man. We respect uh, Cheese over here. Uh, speak for yourself, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm big, <laughs> you know, tied to Rome. You know, he carries himself like he thinks he's Steve Nash, man. It makes me laugh every game. Dude, this guy, this guy has more confidence than any, uh, than I think any of those, uh, Steve Kerr yards they've had so far. But just getting, you know, getting 
from your fourth guard, basically fifth guard in Ty Jerome, getting some solid minutes here and there where, you know, jokes aside, he's not going to do anything exceptional, but he actually, he makes some really good passes and he kind of switches the floor pretty easily too. And I really like, he, he knows what he's doing out there. I think he might land himself on a, uh, on an actual roster in the next year or so. Cause he's not, he's a backup guard in the NBA, I think. And mm-hmm. to have him where they have him has actually been really helpful. He's, he's gotten his guys organized and he's finding the teammates, which, you know, they don't want anything else from a guy in that position. So that out of Ty Jerome. Um, before he's launch, sitting, you're pointing. Go ahead, Chuck. He's got a, uh, just keeping up with our hot stack guys, 10, 10, three and five, uh, shooting 52, 63, 86 over the last one. Like, yeah, I mean, look, he looks good, man. Like he's doing exactly what you need from him right now with so many guys out, like seeing a couple shots, he's making the right play. Um, good, good for him. especially as a two way guy. Like he's, he's showing what it's teams that, you know, he could be a very serviceable NBA point guard. Um, so good for Ty, but, uh, Matt, you want to get some finger pointing going? We can always can. I'm always up for some finger pointing. Uh, listen, I, I love that. What you guys are watching this, this season, potentially again, in my mind, uh, crumble. In your mind, something better is happening, and I appreciate that. That's why I'm glad I have you two in my life. Um, but what's going on? Is it just health right now? Obviously, we were talking earlier. They're not going to win games when three or four of their best seven guys are out. But this team was 500 before Steph went out. They are uh, obviously struggling in a way that does not suggest um, a title is on the way right now. But again, there are some things to be said. So what do you guys think? Is it just bad health? Did the front office fail this offseason? In my mind, that's where I look first and foremost. I think the front office uh, has not been at their best. I think Bob Bob deserves some um, some heckling here and there from from Dub Nation. What do you guys think? Can I uh, can I give the most boring answer ever that no one oh, yeah, would ever Jeff. accept in a rational yeah. Twitter discussion yeah. that we see all the time? <clears throat> um, it's probably a little bit of everything. Uh, shockingly, it's not just Bob Myers' fault. It's not just Steve Kerr's fault. It's not the center who plays 12 minutes a night. Everyone's got a part in this. Like, with all due respect, literally everyone not named Steph Curry has played a role in this to some degree. Andrew, and Andrew no, Wiggins. Steph, Steph's his getting hurt. It's, it's, it's all on Yeah, me. no, that's Come right. On, he shouldn't, he shouldn't have, uh, he, he shouldn't have tried to dig that ball out. Um, also, Kavon Looney is infallible. I'm sorry yeah. I implied that he would ever yeah. do anything wrong. Um, no, but I think I think if you really want to get into it and you want to like rank who's started this situation, you have to look at the front office and management. And I kind of loop that together because it seems like there are definitely some things that they are not on the same page on. And instead of working that out say, behind say the, the scenes, things, Chuck. Say the things. The seven foot thing. <sighs> I mean, we all know, like, you know, what's the point? Like, they they disagreed on the Wiseman pick. The Wiseman pick hurts them now. And, you know, it is what it is. But <clears throat> Wiseman's almost the perfect example because he was put in a position that I don't think is good for him. Like, he's not a system fit. They don't have the infrastructure necessary to help him succeed. They don't have the patience necessary to help him succeed. It doesn't help that they have a nasty, rabid fan base who wants to just shit on the kid around every corner. Um, but they've also had a bunch of bad luck. Like the guys just missed a bunch of time with injury. Like he's never been able to get on this team the right way. Like it's so cruel that the only time they actually had a team in the last three years capable of somewhat supporting him, he missed the entire season. And then by the time he comes back, they're like, 
Not you know, good. there's 10 games left. Like we can't really just drop you in here. We got to, you know, we got to worry about the rest of the season. So I think that really sort of sums up how, how these things have gone for the Warriors because yes, they've made bad decisions to put themselves in a rough position. Like there's no denying that that has happened, but there's been some bad luck. There's been some things kind of out of their control. Uh, there's been issues with, you know, like the personnel that are on the court with coaching staff and front office kind of fighting over things, you know, like I think we've seen, we've seen pretty clearly that, you know, Steve Kerr is not afraid to use his rotations to send a message to the front office and be like, these are the guys I have to work with right now. We just got our ass kicked by 30. What are you going to do about it? And it sucks that that's kind of how these issues have to get resolved is in this very drawn out way because they've made mistakes, but you know, at the same time, like they've just had bad luck. Like, you know, what are you going to do because Clay Thompson comes back and he's not fully himself and things have changed. Like, what are you going to do to stop Draymond Green from punching Jordan Poole in the face? Like what? (laughs) There's so many things here that are just happening all the time. Like the underrated thing we don't talk about, like, so many teams coming off championships disappoint the next year because they're tired. This is an especially old team that won that title. Now they're trying to bring all these young guys into it. Like, yeah, there things are going to go wrong. So that's kind of my lame, boring argument is pretty much everyone deserves a little bit of blame and probably some more than others, but you can't just, make it black and white. You, there's no one thing you can point out and say, if we don't do this, everything is okay. Or if this doesn't happen, everything is okay. Because like, there are so many, there are so many dumb arguments. I see like the people who say, Oh, you can't build a championship roster with James Wiseman on it. What happened last year? Like, did that just, did that just not happen? I mean, <laughs> there's so many things that are out of your control. And yes, on paper, it doesn't make any sense that that team basically just, you know, lit $10 million on fire for reasons out of their control last year and still won a championship. But like to say it can't happen is stupid when it literally just happened. So people just need to like keep their minds open to the possibilities with this team. And yeah, things are pretty dire right now, but don't go looking for some quick, easy fix because you're not going to find it. And that that's kind of where I'm at. Like it's you can ask like you know who to blame. It's, it is what it is. Like there's no one right answer. I I kind of agree with you, Chuck. I feel like at this point it's like who is it on to fix this? And like that's where you can really you know point a finger at. And I'm with you, man. I think it's it starts with the front office and management. Um, they they came in Joe Lacob for everything that he's done for this team. Four championships, rebuilt them into the di- or the, you know the the. You know, the guy who owns a team that just became the dynasty of this era um, just won a championship last year. And James Wiseman is his like brainchild. That was his pick. I get it. Like, but you got to at some point, I feel like it's it's on Lake up to see that, you know, you, you, you whiffed. But like, what's the goal for your 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 team? Is it for you to be right on this pick? And like, you know, this guy's going to become the next David Robinson or is it to win fucking championships? Um, and I think that's where. Um, it starts with Lakeup and it goes down. Like so, then you got to get in um, there. But I think for this team, they're at this, they're at crossroads of this two timelines plan, and you really got to at least 
you know, adjust it. If you're not, I'm not asking you to get off it. I think Kuminga, um, I think Kuminga's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, Moody's shown some stuff. Wiseman's also, you know, to his credit, has shown that he's developed a little bit. Um, so I'm not saying teams aren't going to be asking. You got you got a solid like just group of young players that teams are going to, you know, say I can, you know, I can I can win with this guy in three three years, whatever it is. But you're not doing the kid a service by keeping him on the team and you know having to get like Chuck said, just a shit just dragged uh, for every bad play that he has. Um, but he's not going to help you win right now. So I feel like you have to. At the end of the day, you you. You got the two timeline plan because of the first timeline and you owe it to the first timeline for the four championships they've gotten you, turning you into a dynasty to, to give them a shot to keep winning this thing. Just take it as long as, as long as it goes on. Cause that's really how, you, you know, the $7 billion valuation came through. So, um, for me, Can it's I, on the front office from here. On, on the two timelines point too. So I want to take it a step further. Like the whole idea that they could just like rebuild what they had from before. Yeah. Like you can't, bro, like you had one of the was, two greatest players of all time, plus arguably the second greatest shooter and one of the greatest second round draft picks of all time. That was your young core. Like that's not the same as Jordan Poole, Wiseman. And that's no disrespect to these yeah. guys. You're talking about all time greats. These are hall of fame players who did, who had that, you know, luxury to develop and it, they, they became champions. They, you can't just, plug them into a system and you know mold them in like they got to go through their bumps and bruises and you know i just i feel like you're not doing either side of justice so um give give your main guys a chance to ride this thing out um and build a team around that because you can you can still the season is very much salvageable like you're nowhere near like oh we got to blow it up and because if you want to play the young guys you're going to get games like last night where you lose them by 40 and that's what you get with a young team that's trying to develop you see the houston rockets see detroit pistons they're going through these pains and they're, you know, lottery teams for it. So you can't have it both ways and you got, you got to pick, you got to pick one and, you know, just keep in mind, you got to, you got Steph Curry on your team and he's in his prime. So on that too, like when you talk about like the two timelines not working, I understand why they tried to take the shot for it and say like, Hey, you I know, totally get it. Yeah. Like we have the picks to replenish the cupboard and we can try. And you had the time. Um, they were you, your main guys were out. Like you had the yeah, you had yeah. The time. It made sense. It just didn't work. Um, so I want to take it a step further than you, because I feel like the conversation. It's just like, oh my god, it just is so frustrating. How everyone like every night we have the same conversation about the two timelines. Like, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, it it failed. Like, yeah, it's one thousand percent fine. Failed. It's fine to just say it didn't work and move on like the amount of bandwidth that people have spent just over and over beating to death like oh these guys aren't ready these guys aren't good enough they haven't done enough drafting and and to the front office is credit like this is the first year we really got to see what it looked like and this is year three of of james wiseman of year two of coming so like it's not like i i get why they've held on to it for so long because this is the first year they could really see it like in how it looks but you got you're on a you're on a clock like like I said like the you, the the deadline to make a move is sooner very very much sooner than later um so you really got to decide which way you want which way is going to win you championships more like yeah so I think there's a clear cut answer that's the thing more is like what have they done so with the two timelines they went for this whole you know let's shoot for the moon again they still it did not prevent them from winning another championship. Like really exactly. the only thing that has prevented them to this point is Steph Curry getting hurt, like Clay Thompson getting hurt. Uh 
they were able to pick up the pieces otherwise. They haven't, like, besides Wiseman, who just, you know, we all know it was just not the right choice. All of these guys that they have drafted still have their value. Mm-hmm. They have also chosen the guy in Jordan Poole, who they've said, we want him going forwards. Now, obviously, it's been a very rough season for him, but he's insanely talented. They've also managed to pick up Jonathan Kaminga, who looks like he's going to be a very good role player, if not like a starter level player by the end of his rookie scale contract. And everyone else in that team has still maintained their value. So like you can turn around and say, okay, we took Moses Moody. We kept him for like a year and a half. It didn't quite work out. We dealt him for a more experienced veteran. What's so wrong with that? <laughs> like that's okay. what every smart like, business that's do. not a big deal. Like if you if you take pool and like you take him with what the 28th pick and you turn him into the player he is now, and then you want to keep it going, like that's great process. Like you take Kaminga, you want to keep him around, that's great. And all the other guys who don't work out, you still have value out of them, so you can trade them and you can get more. Like the P the de- the degree to which people have said that this is a failure is so ridiculous to me. Like, I do think it is a failure because they failed to get like really any sort of rotation guys. How you adjust, how do you bounce back from where you're at right now? And it's very salvageable. Yeah, but they haven't, they haven't like put themselves in a position where they can't adjust. Like that's what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Exactly. If, If it was this complete failure, then they'd be stuck in like no man's land being like, ah, shit, well, we got all these terrible contracts. We don't have any good players. All our guys are young. Like, there's so many worse spots to be in. And they could turn they could turn around tomorrow and deal, like, three of these prospects to Chicago and, like, ditch some salary. And suddenly it'd be like, good players back. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it only takes two one time team to One timeline is still very much intact. And very much. Yep. They, that's it. The two timelines is done. There's no two timeline plan. None of these guys, people need to realize, everyone needs to realize the front office, I'm sure, realizes it in most spots. None of these guys is going to go forward and take this team to contention once Steph Curry retires. It's going to be, it's not going to be any of these guys. Right. Right. There's no out. second timeline that one step is out. There's no second group coming in that they've drafted so far, at least, that is going to keep taking these guys' titles. They and have, the group, like, like said, they have Wiggins, Looney, and they're just like, how do we have 26, they have 27 have years old? Cool, 23 years old. Kuminga, if you keep him, 20 years old. You know, they don't need it, – it's crazy. And the funny thing, like, they, they need to realize this far into the game that there were guys that could have drafted who could have done that, but the front office failed in that regard. They picked the wrong dude. That, that was the And that's goal. fine. And that's, that's their okay. fault. That's their fault, and that's fine. They can still win titles now, right? And we know who those guys are. It's Halliburton, it's Wagner, it's, it's probably still Kuminga, right? But they didn't do those guys. And this is the roster they have. They can still turn the roster they have into a roster that can keep for titles for the next – two to three years probably. And we see it. I, I have no doubt. This is the thing. It's, it's, we know Steve Kerr is not looking at this and not thinking more or less like, hey, James Wiseman is not the future, right? We know he's, he knows that. We know Bob Myers knows more about basketball than all of us, right? He knows James Wiseman is not the future. Uh, they need to make the moves that indicate what we all know to be true and that those moves are that there's no two timelines, right? The best we've kind of watched Your this, future's right? now, man. Your future's the now. Best way to build in into the future, yeah, the best way to build into the future is to demonstrate competence in the front office. Like we Looking at Memphis right now, looking at New Orleans, looking at even Brooklyn, right? Boston, all these teams that kind of built up and build equity with their fans, with their teams, with their rosters, and they've built themselves into these contenders long-term. 
the Warriors need to keep the young guys they have aren't all of a sudden going to be contending pieces on their own. They need to grow into that, right? And if they're not going to make the moves, they're going to have zero timelines this year, right? If they're not going to make yeah. any moves this year, it's going to be no timelines because and you and you really, not, and that's that's the one uh, inexcusable outcome of the season is if you waste a year of Steph Curry's prime when he's playing the way he has been. Um, that's the one. Just I don't care. You, know, you can lose in the playoffs. You can make if you make a run and you lose, and you went in. You know, all you have kudos to whoever beat you. But if you if you end up with like in the playing or like the outside looking in, like come on, man, like this is not LeBron and AD uh, on the Lakers with an unhealthy year. Like this was a this was a very salvageable season. Whatever thirty some games in. Yeah, it's it's they will build. They already in a lot of ways have right, but they will build eternal equity with the fan base if they go all out for the last four years of Steph's career. Yeah, if they go all out to win titles, they will. Go they this this fan base will not look the, back. If James Wiseman in six years turns into an all star, looks unlikely, but if it happens, hey, if they win a title this year, next year, without him on the roster, no one's going to care. Okay. 100%. Um what we do care about though is our friends at Anchor. And uh I need to take us all in sixty seconds or so to tell you about them. And we'll be back in just a moment, guys. Thanks. Mm-hmm. And that'll do it. The Golden State Warriors advance to their fifth consecutive Western Conference Final. For the second straight year, they eliminate the Rockets here in Houston as they take this series in six games and they win game six without Kevin Durant. Just a painful way to end the season once again for Chris Paul, James Harden, and the Rockets.